by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. John chapter 9, verse 1. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Have you ever been tempted to look at somebody's situation in life and you say, what did they do wrong? What happened? What caused that? We often try to figure out, you know, what's going on in that situation. And, and we better be careful because we can be a judge of somebody. You know, whether God allowed this or, or whether just time, space, and dimension came together in a certain way and this happened because of this sin-filled world we live in or whatever, there's a lot of things we're not going to know on this side of heaven. One thing we can know is that we have to play the cards that we're dealt. We're not the one dealing the hand. We just play the cards we're dealt. Can I get an amen on that? And we're all playing a different hand. We all got different challenges. We're all in this together, I often say. Verse 4 says, well... (laughs) You remember last week we was talking about John 3 and how Jesus just got right to the point. He was talking with Nicodemus in the garden. He just, Urk. we said, Urk. we'll say, Urk. okay, that's what Jesus does. You're talking along one uh, stream of thought, and Jesus says, Urk, and he gets right to the point that you was trying to get to, but you wasn't really getting there quick enough. Well, this is what happens here. We're talking about this man who has never seen in his life. He's born blind, and they're trying to figure out who caused it. Well, Jesus says, He says, we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. Say sent. The night is coming, and then no one can work. You you can't work in the dark. They call it a work light for a reason. You need light to be able to see so that you can work. And we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. I am the light that helps you understand that you've been sent. Say sent. Then he spit on the ground, and he made mud with the saliva, and he spread the mud over the man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. It's amazing 
once you realize that you've been sent by God, how your eyes will be open. So the man went and washed, and he came back seeing. He did what Jesus told him to do, and now he can see. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar ask each other, Isn't this the man that used to sit and beg? Some said he was. Others says, no, it just looks like him. They didn't even recognize the guy. They saw him every day. And I want you to know, once Jesus opens your eyes and you get aware to the purpose in your life that you're sent, people ain't going to recognize you anymore. And this the same guy that used to sit on my couch and smoke weed all day? What's he doing up and being produ- productive in society now? Isn't this the same person that just trying to fill out the paperwork to get their disability so they don't have to do nothing the rest of their life, but now they got three jobs and they're supporting other people? I hardly even recognized you. You ever heard anybody say that to you after you got saved? That's a compliment. They certainly didn't recognize me people from my high school, he was voted most likely not to succeed. Now he's a pastor. What? But the beggar kept saying, yes, I'm the same one. Just a a new version. And they asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and he spread it over my eyes and he told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went I did what Jesus said. I went and I washed, and now I can see. Can you imagine the joy of seeing for the first time in your life? Have you ever wore a patch for any given time? You pull that thing off, it's like, wow, yeah, that's better. I mean, this man has never seen color. He's never even seen black and white. He has no idea what his parents look like. But now he can see. He's seeing the whole world differently. It's the way I felt when I got saved. It was like I was seeing for the first time. Everything that I thought was reality, suddenly I realized had just been darkness. But now my eyes are open. I can see. I know God. And I'm finding freedom from all the things that's held me bound. And now I'm discovering purpose. And boy, I'm ready to get into my purpose and begin to make a difference with my life. Things are different now that Jesus, the light of the world, has come in. Now that he has opened my eyes and he has sent me. Isn't it different for you? I mean, if you're sitting here and you're saying, well, it's really no different. Did you really get saved? (laughs) Or did you just say a prayer? Because I know something changed. I don't even recognize myself anymore. I mean, really, when I think about me, I, I spent 32 years in the dark, so I know what I'm talking about. When I got saved, I looked back at that person I used to be, no love, no humility, not caring about anybody but myself. I say, who is that guy? 
because that's not the way I feel anymore. The whole world is opened. Now I have vision. I have vision. I can see. I can see the way God created you. I, what does this say? I can see your heart and everything you've made, Lord. The signal fire of grace. I can, I can see you. I can see potential in you. I can see the love of God in your life. Even if you're running from him, I can see the effects of, of him pulling on you and that he saved you, that, that, that he's, he's trying to save you. That you should have been dead ten times, but here you're sitting in, in church this morning. I can see. Boy, I can see. Verse 12 says, they're still asking about Jesus. They said, where is he now? They asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who was born blind to the Pharisees. Uh-oh. Not the Pharisees again. We've been see, seemed like we've been talking about the Pharisees for like six weeks. Because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. Boy, they, they're legalistic, man. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. They got the man. They want to say, who's this man that did this work on, who opened your eyes on the Sabbath? And so some of us are probably sitting there thinking, well, I don't have any Pharisees in my life. Thank goodness nobody's questioning all my stuff. You know, people kind of stay to themselves these days. But have you ever noticed we all kind of got this little inward Pharisee in us? Left over from our old way of thinking? We can be religious. We can be legalistic. We can bring the condemnation into our own lives. We can be bound to the law, that the letter that kills and not the spirit of the law. We can be our worst enemy sometimes. There's a like an inner Pharisee that we 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 have to. We're it's like we're where we all of a sudden slip on that robe, and get self righteous real quick. And oftentimes against our own self, we're questioning the things this God's doing in our life. And so he told them, he's telling the Pharisees. He told his friends. Now he's telling he's he's sharing his testimony in he. That's one thing that we could learn from this guy. I like this guy. I'm just going to tell you off the bat. I like this guy because he got saved, saved. He ain't one of those just confessed Jesus and went on back to his old life. So he told him, he put mud over my eyes and I washed it away and I could see. That's a testimony. And some of the Pharisees says, this man is, Jesus is not from God for he's working on the Sabbath. And others says, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about the man who healed you? And the man replied, well, I think he must be a prophet. And the Jewish leaders still refused to believe that the man had been blind and could now see, so they called his parents. And here his parents come. And I guess they're members of the synagogue. They're worried about keeping their seat in the synagogue. They, well, we know it's our son. Yeah, that's him. And he, he was blind. We know that. Now, now he can see, but we don't know what happened. Don't ask us. We don't want to get involved. He's of age. Ask him. 
they're, they're, they're scared of the Pharisees. You know, the, the Pharisees can be rather imposing. And they can hold your synagogue membership card over your head real quick. You ever been to one of those churches? Where was I at? Okay, now verse 24, skip on down. So they called the man again. So for a second time, they called in the man who had been blind, and they told him, God should get the glory for this. Now, that's probably the only right thing the Pharisees ever said in the Bible. But, but they messed it up with the second half of the sentence. But God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Okay. <laughs> Who's the blind person <laughs> in this story? Okay. Verse 25, the man, he gets so feisty. I love this. He said, I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I see. <laughs> but what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Did you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? You see, now that he's met the real deal, these Pharisees ain't holding anything over him anymore. He ain't afraid of them anymore. Then they cursed him. Okay, these religious folks, all right? These high and mighty, self-righteous, robe-wearing folks cursed the man. How does that play out in their book of do's and don'ts? Then they cursed him and said, You are his disciple, but we're disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Blind man. <laughs> he said, well, that's very strange. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he came from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world, no one has ever been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. He's preaching, boy. He's, pre he's preaching to the preachers. He hadn't, his eyes hadn't been opened but a few hours, and all of a sudden, he's standing up to those who crucified Jesus. And they, what, what's their response? The same response that people have when they don't have an argument, when they can't speak intelligently and, and hold a conversation with you without getting angry and heated. They began to impugn your personal character. That's the, if you look at politics and society today, there's no civil discourse anymore. People just throwing insults at one another. What happens? They said, you were born a total sinner. They just got it out. <laughs> Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. He lost his synagogue card. But you know what? When you've met Jesus, you don't need the synagogue anymore. You want to be part of what Jesus is doing. He said, I will build my church. Nothing opens your eyes like realizing that you've been sent by God. Are your eyes open? You know, we were once all spiritually blind. Every one of us. We were born 
dead in our sins and trespasses. Our eyes, I mean, we could see in the natural, but we had no vision in the spiritual world. And in Matthew 8, 22, what does Jesus say to those? He says, follow me now and let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Come out from among them. Be ye separate. Ephesians 5, 14. He says, awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead and Christ will give you life. It's time to rise up. That's what I did, boy. I got up. I got on out from where I used to be. I came out of the darkness. I wanted to use my vision. I wanted to to put into practice what I had been sent to do. Now, we've been in this series for, this is the third week, the So Will I series. And we've been talking about our missionaries and things like that. And here's some of the things that I recap that we have been talking about. Just good stuff. We talked about Jesus' spirit, the living water on the inside of us, begins to bubble up. You remember? Begins to bubble up on the inside of you. And I liken that to worship. What does it say in John 4? Uh, that that those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. It'll, that the living water I give you will become an eternal spring. It'll, it'll be bubbling up on the, in this, inside of you. That there should be some bubbling going on like there was in Callan. That's the first thing she says. I'm bubbling over. There's a bubbling. There's a worship. When you're partaking of the things of God, we talked about that worship is more than just a song on Sunday morning. It is a life lived. It is a sacrifice daily of your life to God. It is spirit and it is truth and it is now. It is our lives poured out as living sacrifices. And worship is when? Here and now. It's not in a minute. It's not when I get this bill paid off. It's not when I get on the other side of the Red Sea. It's right here. Worship is in this situation. Worship is before you get your answer. Worship is here and it's now. There should be a bubbling going on you no matter where your situation is. I had people. I have people come to me and they're saying, well, I've got this coming up and this and this. And, and they're naming all the things and, and they're bringing tomorrow's troubles into today. And the Bible says you have... You have enough trouble for today by yourself. You don't need to really be bringing tomorrow's troubles into today. What you need to be concentrating on is bubbling up so that when you get to tomorrow, you'll you'll have more than enough. Joy, peace, everything. You'll be bubbling up. We talked about love is the power of God. It's the greatest power in the world. And, And by nature, Love's response is love gives. And so we begin to talk about how God has given to us and how we're supposed to be stewards of the manifold grace of God. Manifold means the many-faceted grace of God. We're stewards. We begin to see ourselves as stewards. It's not, it's not something we hold on to. Everything, this is mine, mine, mine. We're like those little birds in Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. That's the way we lived before, but now that our eyes are open, we understand there's an unlimited supplier. Our Father owns it all. We're stewards, and as we give, we can't outgive God. And see, we 
this month as we have preached these things, I think that's when we have become woke to our purpose. Y'all ever heard that term? It's a new term. See, I'm with the times. Are you woke to your purpose? Say woke to my purpose. That's today's message title. Woke to purpose. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5.16. Look at your neighbor and say, woke up. It's time the church woke up. My goodness. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. I did before I got saved. I said, oh, that's a man. He lived his life. He got in trouble, and he went to the cross. That's what I thought about it. That's the way I just saw him. You know, I didn't understand. That was God in human flesh. And he was there accomplishing something in the spirit realm that I had no idea about. I was blind. But now I see. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. But how differently we know him now. We're spiritually woke now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. A new life that is woke to purpose. If you say you're born again but you don't see any purpose for your life, you have not opened your eyes. Maybe maybe you can see under them eyelids, but if you'll open them, You'll get a vision that God has sent you into the world as his ambassadors, as his preachers, as his examples, as his hands and his feet and his heart and his mouth and his love here on the earth, his light. You are lights in the world now. You are a city on a hill. You're the lighthouse that others who are going through hard times in the dark of night can see the lighthouse and know how to get home. Come on, somebody. Now you see Jesus differently than you used to see him. You're woke to purpose. And this church is getting woke to our purpose. Have you ever seen one of those videos? I know you have. Where there's a football team or something, maybe they have a disabled kid on the team, and somewhere in the game they put him in at running back, and they hike the ball, and they give it to this kid, and maybe he has Down syndrome or cerebral palsy or something, and he's got his little uniform on. He don't normally play on the team. He'd probably been doing his part on the bench all year, and they want to get him in the game. And so they block for him, and the other team understands what's going on, and they pretend to try to tackle him, but they don't want him because they, they're rooting for him just as much. And, and they run with him down the field, and they're getting him to the end zone, and they're cheering him on, go, 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 go. And he gets to the end zone, and they all celebrate, and the other team is celebrating. The stands are celebrating. There's not a dry eye in the house. That's what I feel like when I come to the Passion Church every Sunday morning. That's what's going on. We're running alongside one another trying to get to the finish line. We're encouraging one another. That's what life is supposed to be. That is what life is supposed to be like. Everyone is welcomed here. If if you're new here, you haven't read 
who God has told us, our culture, who we are, it's right there. We're a warm, fun-loving family. We're eager to reach out to everyone who's lost their way. We're a hospital of hope. We're going to run you to the goal line. We're going to help you finish your course. We're going to help you score in life. That's what we're here to do. You know, just in 2019, that this small, some may say insignificant, way in the back of nowhere, not even on the GPS kind of little church, <laughs> has contributed 863 community hours to our, to our community, to DeSoto County in 2019. 863. Do you know how many souls have come to Jesus through ministries that this church has implemented? In just 2019, 463. 463. Boy, if we could get them to come to church, we'd have to get a bigger church. Of course, we're going to places that a lot of other people don't want to go. We're going to places where they're confined, like the jail and the youth villages. And, but, but we're going. We're going to the nursing homes. We're going to, to those that, that the world has heaped on the trash pile and doesn't want anything to do with. But we've, we believe because the, we've been woke to our purpose that we realize that when we do it to the least of these, we're doing it to Jesus. I tell you what, let the Pharisees say what they want to about this rule or that rule or this. We're here to do the great commission and the great commandment. And we're staying on task. In the summertime, we've got thousands of books and and wagons ready for the summer break this year where we're going to go back out on the streets in these underprivileged neighborhoods and pull these wagons and read books to children and tell them about Jesus and tell their parents about Jesus. Every week, once a week for the whole summer, we're going to do it again called Sidewalk Stories. Today, you want to be a part of something beautiful, running somebody to the finish line today at 3 to 4 o'clock at Life Point Nursing Home over there on Star Landing Road. We'll be over there ministering in song. To the old folks. And there'll be some of you that'll come and you'll sit at the table and you'll enjoy the music and you'll pat some older person on the hand and it'll mean the world to them. And you might not even have to open your mouth, but you would have made an eternal impact in the life of a lonely old person. I love coming to my church. This this ain't a have to go kind of thing to me. This want to go. I can't wait to our life groups on Wednesday. I love you guys. We got door-to-door outreaches. We got a host of other passion for DeSoto outreaches during the year that, that we embark on. Uh, play day in the park twice this year. People are asking for our children's department to come back and do the parachute and, and minister to the children in the face paint. We're really good at loving kids. There's ministry going on back there in the back right now. They're not just being babysat. They're being loved. They're being shown the love of Jesus back in the back. We are a woke church. Say a woke church. Say it again so you'll wake up. Woke church. Now, most of us realize since we were born again that we are sent. 
we begin to realize that we, we begin to find freedom and begin to discover our purpose. And it's easy to begin to say, yeah, I'm here with purpose. God's got something for me to do. And you begin to find out what that is. A lot of people know that. But not everybody understands that we're not just sent, we're called to be senders. And that's why we've put this message together, uh, this series together, So Will I, and we've designated February to be our missionary month because we're going to take up a faith pledge where 100% of what you pledged to our world missionaries will go to changing the lives like it did, like it will in Mexico. We have 24 missionaries, and, and the list is back there if anybody would like to see all the missionaries. We have them in Uganda. We have them all over Africa. We have them in Indonesia. These are people that have been trusted partners, and we have seen the good works and the lives that they are changing around the world. And I want you to know that's where we're getting to with this message. We want you woke to understand that, that not only are you sent locally where you're at, but you can exponentially exponentially multiply your ability to touch the world with your finances. When you give, 100% will go to these missionaries. And in some of these places, you give $10, that will support a person or a family for a month. Our American dollar can make a huge difference. And we're over here living like little kings in America. Don't you think we could do more? We could get woke that we are also senders. Turn to 2 Corinthians 8. I don't often speak about giving. I can understand why, how the air seems to be sucked out of the room the mo moment you mention somebody giving. <laughs> Y'all sure got quiet. But you know what? I ain't here to please y'all. I'm here to tell you it's time for us to get woke. 2 Corinthians 10.1. Yeah, 8. Who said 10? I better woke up. I just seeing if you woke. Second Corinthians eight, chapter one. I mean, eight, verse one. Now you've got me confused. This is Paul talking about little church in Macedonia. He says, "Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches." In Macedonia, they are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only of what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of, to the believers in Jerusalem. See, there was a famine going on in Jerusalem, and the, the believers were suffering. And this small little insignificant church in the middle of nowhere who had their own problems and, and wasn't rich themselves said, let's give. 
and joy bubbled up on the inside of them. Our generosity is a reflection of our heart. And it's a reflection of our faith, too. Sometimes we give sacrificially. Sometimes we give when we ha- we're expecting that God, you better multiply this. But he does. I don't see anybody in here starving to death. He provides seed to those who will sow. Chip Ingram says, giving generously is a spiritual act of thoughtful, voluntary worship. It's something you decide to do. And it's an act of worship. It's something you thought out and said, God, I want to trust you this year. I want to show you. You know your heartstrings are attached to your wallet. (laughs) Where your heart is, there your treasure is also. Is that backwards? Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Right? He said it reaches deeper and deeper in our lives, reflecting a maturing and a joyful relationship with our Heavenly Father. If you're a giver, that just shows you've matured as a Christian. You've learned to trust God. And that's a place we need to get to. Uh, You know, we have a lot of new people in our church. We have a lot of baby Christians in our church. And they need, you you need to begin to, to experiment in the joy of giving. Give and it shall be given unto you. You need to begin to trust the word of God in the area of giving in your life. Macedonia had little, but they gave big. And they gave by faith. The prophet Elijah was sent to a a town called Zarephath to a widow. And God said, this woman, this widow woman is going to meet your needs. Now that's weird, isn't it? God has kings in every nation, rich people all over the world. And he sends his prophet to a poor widow woman to be sustained. And and I don't even know if the woman knew or not, but Elijah arrives and he asks the woman, he sees her out doing her chores or whatever, he says, can you get me a cup of water? She says, okay. And as she's turning to go, he says, oh, oh, and uh, would you make me a little cake of bread? And she, she turns around, she looks at Elijah, She said, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Can I tell you the truth? We just, we got just a little bit of flour left in our jar, me and my son. We got a little bit of oil. And I was going to tonight cook up a little cake for us to eat. Then we're going to starve to death. We're in the middle of a famine. This is all we have. This is, this is it. This is, was our plan. Elijah said, you're right, you're right. I I wouldn't want to impose. You just go on and you eat that last cake. I don't want to eat your last meal. Where you at, Berea? Anybody read the scripture? It's not what it says. Sometimes there there was a little boy who just came to me before the offering. He had $2. He said, I want to give this in the offer, and he gave me a dollar. My mama says, you taking money from a little boy? 
people get on me for encouraging people to to do their, you know, to come to the outreach. These people are busy. These people don't have any money. These people. Elijah said, just go and do what I say and make me a cake of bread first. And God will make sure your flour and your oil will not run out. Am I supposed to say, no, little kid, you keep your money and rob this little kid of the blessing he's about to receive? In 1 Kings 17, 15, the story goes, she went away and she did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous soul shall be made rich, and he who waters will himself also be watered. Who is truly rich but he who has Jesus and trusts on him as his source? All right, so let's pick up our story on the man born blind. Back in John 9, we'll pick up in verse 35. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened. Now, remember what had happened. The man's eyes were opened. He got all excited. His friends didn't recognize him. They started saying, this ain't him. They led him to the Pharisees to explain himself. And he's had this encounter with the Pharisees. And look, if you're saved, you're going to have encounters with Pharisees. Whether it's your inner Pharisee or it's going to be somebody saying, "What you don't need to, I knew somebody one time said their mother told them, it's okay to go to church, but don't read that Bible. It'll mess your mind up. (laughs) It will. It'll mess your mind up. The mind you used to have won't be the same at all. (laughs) It'll mess your mind up. You'll be one of them Jesus freaks. You don't want to be extreme. A holy roller, what? Them Pharisees that talk you out of, won't they, Tony? <laughs> they just don't know any better. Their eyes haven't been woke yet to that fact. When Jesus had heard what had happened, He found the man. Some of us think we found Jesus. He found us. He left the 99 to find us. It just seemed like we had found him. He found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? In other words, do you believe in the Christ, the Messiah? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said. He is speaking to you. He said, yes, Lord, I believe. Say, yes, Lord, I believe. And the man said it, and then he fell down and he worshiped Jesus. That's the proper response. 
He worshiped Jesus right there. Oh, I can't wait till the day that I can see Jesus face to face and fall down before him and worship him. And then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. And some of the Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? Jesus said, If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim that you see. Can we see? Or are we just claiming that we see? Because I know everybody that goes to church is not a Christian. But they're claiming to be. God's trying to wash the mud from our eyes and get us woke to our purpose as, as his people. We're not just sent We're also senders. And our generosity during this campaign, this faith pledge that very next week, Sunday, that we'll fill out a card and pledge to give to the missionaries throughout the next year's period, will reach the poor all over the world, near and dear to Jesus' heart. It will reach the hurting, the hungry, the broken, the outcast, the downtrodden, the lonely, the oppressed. The lame, the mute, the lost, and the blind. Yes, the blind. Both physically and spiritually. What we sin will help others preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and open the eyes of the blind where our feet can never trod. You want to be exponentially more effective than you are as one person in one location? Then be a sender as well as someone who is sent. The lyrics to that song that they sang today, beautiful Kaylee worked so hard on that song, learned to play piano for that song. Sing and play piano. You know how many lyrics is in that song? I've been quoting lyrics from this song all month. I didn't see her up there with a lyric sheet. That is a young girl that is woke to purpose. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. Where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've done. Every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart eight billion different ways. Every precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. So what do you say today to all that we've talked about? So or so will I. What is your response when you see other people on Sunday morning truly worshiping Jesus? So, or so will I. When you see others running their race, giving their all for Jesus, giving sacrificially, so, or so will I.
So will I. Others who refuse to turn a blind eye to the hurting, the oppressed all around the world. Well, it's easy today. We've seen so much on TV. We put up walls around our heart when we see the hurting and the pain of these little children that are being misused and abused and trafficked around the world. It's easy to put up that, oh, I'm not watching that. I'm not thinking about that. Or we only think about here in America. You know, we've got to take care of our own. When you see people that say, I can't do that anymore, I have to give. Do you say so? Or so will I? When you see others next Sunday taking their faith pledge seriously, having have prayed about it and asked God, what would you have me do? What can I believe you for to be able to give? throughout this next year to make a difference worldwide and you see them giving generously will you say so or so will I are you content just having your seat in the synagogue claiming that you see or are you really getting woke for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.